So good to be here. Church, it is awesome to be sharing from God's Word together again this morning. Nathan mentioned we're in our series on much prayer, much power, um, and we are learning a lot, aren't we, about prayer? Let's pray before we learn more. Jesus, we thank you for your presence here with us. Thanks for your people gathered together. Thanks that you meet with us here. Lord, we thank you that you have something to say to us today. And so we ask right now that your Holy Spirit would just come quiet in our hearts, soften our hearts, God, to hear from you, to receive your word, to be stirred by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, week three of our prayer series is the blockages of prayer. And I don't know about you, but I think most of us would say that prayer is a struggle. And when I was thinking about the kind of struggle prayer is, I stumbled across this video online, which maybe you can relate to in your prayer life. The courage to continue. Do you ever feel like that when it comes to praying? Um, I happened to be standing in the bathroom line yesterday with my friend Tiana, who is an athlete. And I said, Tiana, you don't happen to have hurdles, do you? She goes, yeah, I sure do. So here we have Pastor Andrew would be proud of this, I'm sure. Sporting illustrations from Pastor Jody this morning. Amazing. But we have some hurdles here, and I feel like we just kind of want to unpack a little bit more about the blockages to prayer that we all experience. Jesus has made a way for us to come into relationship with him. We've been learning about that. Prayer is the way we do it, the way we do this relationship with our Heavenly Father, who loves us and is for us. In any relationship, we know that communication is important, right? And prayer is how we communicate with God. Think about any close friendship that you've experienced. Did you ever have to set up rules in that friendship about what you could say and how you could say it? Did you have to make sure that um, you were always polite and kind of filtered through what you said with your close friend? Did you ever think that your friend wouldn't be interested to hear what you had to say? No. In a close friendship, we look forward to hearing from each other. We want to know everything that's going on, and we're free to share whatever is on our heart. We look forward to catching up and spending time together. When God invites us into relationship, he wants us to be close like that. 
He wants you to share what's on your heart. He wants to um, be invited into our problems and pain. He wants to know what we really think and feel. He wants to help us. He wants to show us and tell us amazing things. He delights in us. God actually enjoys spending time with us. Do you feel like that in your relationship with God? All the hard work to make relationship possible was done by Jesus. But even knowing that, many of us still struggle to pray. The blockages we feel when it comes to praying do not sit with God. I hear that this morning. It's hard to hear. So why is it so hard? We want to take a look at some of those honest, an honest look at some of those blockages that we experience coming into this relationship, coming to pray. The first one that we're going to look at this morning, you have the advantage of being the second service. In the first service, I actually had these around the wrong way. What a blessing to be at 10 o'clock. The first blockage is Busyness. Who of us doesn't feel like it is just so hard to try and fit prayer into a busy life? Busyness or lack of time or competing priorities would have to be up there, wouldn't it? As the major reason why most of us feel like we just don't pray. Most of us feel like we already have way too busy a schedule to fit and make extra time for prayer. Jesus got up early to pray. He withdrew from crowds and went to mountaintops to spend time with his heavenly father. That is great for Jesus. But did he know what it was like to be up during the night to children? Did he have a demanding job and endless deadlines? Did he have to battle traffic and bills and family demands and whatever else screams out to be done whenever we're trying to be still and know God? The good news is that God wants to come near wherever we are in our lives. You know, some of you might be in a season where you do have time to spend with God in prayer. You have a mountaintop or a special chair or a special time set aside each day with God. And I am sure you are blessed to do that, blessed to spend that time. But God doesn't need you to be in a certain place for a certain length of time in the right prayer position, saying all the right words for your prayer to count. Psalm 145 verse 18 says this, the Lord is close to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. That means in the moments where all you can muster is crying out, Jesus, or God, I need you now. That counts as prayer. Wherever you are, whatever is on your heart or mind, in complete honesty, you come to your heavenly father right there. You might be struggling to sleep in the middle of the night. Try praying. You might be driving in the car. Why not pray while you drive? 
You might be having um, a morning coffee or maybe taking a lunch break sometime during the day. Try using that time to talk to God. What about the times that you're waiting in a line or in school pickups or waiting for after-school activities? Have you thought about praying then? Before you fill up the gaps in your life with scrolling on the phone or flicking channels to find something worth watching on TV, why not spend time talking to God? You can talk to him about anything. You know, I think there's a shift that comes in how we pray when we realize that God is right here with us. And when we chat to God as we're just going about our life in all of these ordinary places and things we do, we kind of get this sense that he's with us. He's the one carrying the load. He's doing the heavy lifting like we saw last week. God is right there in the thick of life with us. Listen to this beautiful promise from God in Deuteronomy 31.8. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. And Jesus said it too in Matthew 28.20. One of the last words he said to his disciples here on earth. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Would life look different if you were aware in every moment of Jesus with you? And just like any friendship, the more time you spend with him, the more your relationship grows. And I think this is the catch for us. You have to start praying to want to keep praying. The more you spend time with God, the the more natural it feels to be in his presence talking to him. And our relationship grows closer. It becomes more natural just to converse with him all day. Have you ever noticed how people who spend heaps of time together start to become like each other? It even happens with owners and their dogs. I should have brought a photo of my dog for you today. You'd be amazed. (laughs) Have you ever wanted to be more like Jesus? Do you know how that's going to happen? We spend more time with them. You know, if you're a busy person, you know that nothing important to you gets done unless you make time for it. How can we make space in our life for prayer? And I'm not necessarily talking about setting aside an hour. Start with five minutes. Maybe start with a few minutes a couple of times a day. Remember, there is no special formula to make your prayers work. No guilty feelings if it is short or on the fly. Just start talking to God, honestly, from your heart. The hardest part is starting. Give it a go. The second blockage I think that we have when it comes to prayer is this um, belief, I guess, that we need to be self-reliant and self-sufficient. I mean, as little kids, we needed our parents. They pretty much did everything for us. If you are in the season of parenting young children where you can barely go to the bathroom by yourself, you probably had the thought that you can't wait for your kids to grow up. 
In the natural process of growing up, we are expected to and need to become independent adults. But in God's family, we are always children. The Bible doesn't talk about us becoming independent adults. We stay the children of God. We have a heavenly father who never gets tired of hearing our requests, never gets tired of us coming to him or needing him. He welcomes us coming to him. In Jesus, um, in the gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus actually scolds his disciples when parents are trying to bring these little children to Jesus because they think, oh, the children aren't important enough. Maybe Jesus should just have time for all the adults here. And Jesus says, no, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. Hear this, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I think it's our pride that gets in the way of us coming like children to receive God's kingdom. We live our lives as if everything depends on us. We carry this burden on our shoulders thinking we need to work harder, to keep it all together, to look like we know what we're doing. Whoever or whatever you feel like you have to be or live up to in any other relationship, you don't need to do that with your heavenly father. It amazed me as I was thinking about this truth this week, that a sign that we are maturing in our faith is not that we make God proud by being able to do more on our own. It's not. A sign that we're maturing in our faith is actually that we become more aware of our dependence on God for everything. As we grow In our relationship with him, we appreciate his power. We come to accept our weakness and our constant need of him. Weakness is the channel that allows us to access his grace. The more we acknowledge our dependence on Jesus, the more we need to pray. The more we see his power and love and glory in action. In this sense, prayer is not about being self-disciplined in coming to God. It's about recognizing that we can't do anything without him. We need to pray. You know, another blockage that I've been wrestling through this week is that God can feel, oh, we've gone the wrong way. Just pretend you didn't see that. That God, spiritual dryness, spiritual dryness, that, that our faith kind of becomes a bit dull and boring. The prayer kind of doesn't do anything for you. You know, what Jesus did on the cross made it possible for the restoration of our relationship with God. The, the barrier of sin is gone when we receive the gift of his forgiveness and grace. That is how we come into the, the Father's presence. The problem is we are stuck with this fleshly nature, which is still prone to sin. And the sin that we don't confess and surrender to Jesus is an obstacle in our relationship with God that that actually makes it hard for us to feel close to him. 
We can try and justify our sin and convince ourselves that it doesn't matter that much. Maybe you don't think your sin is hurting anyone. But sin hardens our heart. And God wants us to have soft hearts. When we hold on to our sin and stay stuck in it, when we harbour our sin, the Bible says, harbour our sin against God or against others, when we're trying to put on a religious act to impress others, even though underneath this sin's sitting there, and when our life becomes all about us, all of these things create a distance because our hearts are misaligned with the heart of our Father. Even back in the Garden of Eden, the human response to sin coming in is to hide from the shame of being found out, to pretend before God that everything's fine and okay, to put the blame onto other people. When we do that, we struggle to come into God's presence and we hold God at arm's length and we feel dry and empty in our spiritual life. We have a spiritual enemy who would like you to think that you are stuck there in that place. That this blockage is impossible to overcome. That prayer doesn't actually work for you. That's the enemy's voice. That's not God's voice. And it seems counterintuitive to our human nature, but we don't have to fix this problem ourselves. We can come honestly before God and ask for his help. David, in Psalm 139, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Can we pray that prayer this morning? Repentance is a gift to us from God. It is the path of humility that leads us back to our Savior who is always there with open arms, ready to pour out forgiveness and grace when we come to him, leading us back into his life. God didn't wait for humanity to be perfect before he offered us Jesus as our Savior. Jesus came into our mess. He wasn't put off by it or frightened or offended by it. With compassion and grace, he loves us in the mess. In the story of the prodigal son, it took so much for that son to think about crossing that distance back to the father. You know, I read that story and I wonder how much time he spent with the pigs eating their food looking at their food and thinking it looked great. How much time he spent there before he had the courage to do that walk home. And there was the father waiting for him, watching for him, running towards him, showering him with hugs and kisses at this son who had come home. He treated him no less than a son. Even in the midst of the protests of feeling unworthy and undeserving, this is the heart of our Heavenly Father. 
Sin is no obstacle to prayer because God welcomes repentant sinners. We don't need to be perfect to pray. God wants us to come into his presence honestly, authentically, in humility. If there's anything between you and God, come humbly before him and confess it to him. Turn to him in repentance and experience grace again for you, pouring out from your heavenly Father. Our fourth blockage is when God is silent. How many of us have wrestled with prayers that go unanswered? Where God just doesn't seem to respond at all. We question whether it's worth praying in these times. It's easy for us to doubt God, to question his power or question his love or both. Most of us at some point would have experienced the frustration and pain of longing to hear from God, but hearing nothing. What prayer have you cried where it felt like God was ignoring you? Many of us can harden our hearts toward God over the pain of not understanding what he's doing or not doing in these situations. And I think it is really helpful to see that even Jesus experienced this. Did you realize that? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus cried in anguish to God, my father if it is possible, as if Jesus didn't know that everything was possible for God. And yet here he cries, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Hours later on the cross, he cries out in anguish again, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? What was the response from God? Silence. There's no response. And yet we know what God unfolded here was ultimately for our good. We often think about our relationship with God as transactional. I do this for God, so God should do this for me. Like God is some computer operating system with a user manual and buttons that you press to deliver predictable outcomes. That is just not how relationships work. If Jesus experienced unanswered prayer, we don't have to be ashamed when we live with the tensions and disappointments and questions of God. Pete Grieg, well known for starting the 24-7 prayer movement, wrote a book called God on Mute. When he wrote this book, someone said, you can't write a book like that. You're the prayer guy. You're the one who tells us that prayer's worthwhile and God answers and hears our prayers. But he had every reason to, to write a book about God being on mute. He tells the story of how his wife has suffered from a chronic illness for 20 years and one time when she was rushed to the hospital emergency and it didn't look like she would make it, he cried out to God. He said, I know I'm supposed to pray your will be done, but I don't care. I want my will to be done. 
I, want my, I don't want my wife to die. I don't want my kids to grow up without a mom. As soon as he prayed it, he just felt this shame come over him. How could he actually say that to God? He struggled with the feeling that he wasn't a good Christian because he just couldn't accept what God was allowing to happen. Even in the midst of his struggle around this, a bit later, God really spoke to him about that prayer. He felt God say, you know that prayer you prayed? And he went, oh, I know the prayer, God. Uh, He was still carrying the shame of it. But he felt God say to him, I loved that prayer. I love that you want to fight for your wife. I wanted you to fight. He felt so accepted and understood by God in that moment. He received his honest heart. Pete Greig goes on to say that sometimes intimacy with God actually comes with a wrestling, an honest lament. Sometimes we're too good at Christianity to allow ourselves to be honest, to be human with our maker. David's prayers give us permission to be honest and real with God, even when we don't understand what he's doing or not doing. God holds this space for us to come into his presence, praying whatever is on our heart, be it anger or joy, doubt or faith, suffering or hope. I love this quote from Corrie Ten Boom. When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. Tyler Statton writes this, the subtext of every miracle, the soundtrack beneath the life of every saint is a defiant and courageous choice in the face of dark, the dark experience of God's absence and silence to say, I choose to trust. We can't always see the bigger picture of God's plan, but we can press into his character, his goodness and his faithfulness, even when he's silent. In his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Tyler Statton in his book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, shares some really helpful thoughts on prayer from this verse. He said, the asking is about having the freedom to come before God and make our requests to him. Need drives us to pray and makes us realize that we are fragile and weak and not in control. We need God. When we come to that place, it's instinctive almost for us to turn to God and pour out our hearts to him. Seeking is often used in scripture to describe this longing where to have for God's presence. And by using this next in this sequence, Jesus knows that we'll come asking to God, but actually we'll discover 
relationship with him. The greatest gift we could know in our asking is the gift of the giver himself. And then knocking. Jesus' final verb in this teaching on prayer prompts us to picture the imagery of fellowship around a table, being invited in. In Hebrew culture, acceptance and dignity and equality were shown around a table, sharing a meal together. It was the truest and deepest form of acceptance and intimacy. Jesus was criticized, wasn't he, for breaking bread with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners by those who didn't understand that the heart of the Father is to welcome us to his table. For all of us to experience this deep level of intimacy with him, being seen by him, known by him, delighted by him as we meet in his presence and experience his heart of love and grace for us. There are two things the Bible says God collects. In Revelations 5 and also in Revelations 8, there's a picture of our prayers being collected and held before the throne of God in golden bowls to be poured out in his perfect time. And in Psalm 56, 8, it says, God collects our tears in his bottle. What a beautiful picture that God sees your heart, that he knows your longings, and he's not indifferent to them. In Jesus' parable on the persistent widow in Luke 18, he closes with a verse that assures us that a day will come when God will bring about his justice. We can be sure of that. But then Jesus asked this question. When the Son of Man returns, how many will he, will he find on the earth who have faith? When the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Faith to keep asking and seeking and knocking. Faith to keep coming to him in prayer. Will we be the people still praying? As we close today, as the band comes up, um, I just felt like God is inviting us again into this relationship. Come to the altar. Jesus has overcome every blockage that tells us we can't come to God. He's made a way to smash them over. There is nothing that stands in our way, nothing. And this morning I want to extend that invitation that God extends to you to come again, honestly, authentically, humbly into his presence and know that he loves you to do that. As we sing this song and you've experienced the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart, I just want to invite you to, to come and kneel at the front before the rest of the distractions of the day take you away from prayer. 
Let's take a moment right now as we respond just to pray. You might want to kneel on your own. It might be for a few seconds. It might be for a minute. But have freedom to come into God's presence. There's nothing magical about the front of church. But we want to be a people who respond in obedience, a people who are found praying, soft hearts to God. If you want to be reminded that you're a child this morning, free from the expectations of others, just come. Come and pray. Come and be prayed for. Stand with someone who can pray over you. It is our joy to be in community together, to stand with one another as we pray. Maybe you felt dry. Maybe there's, you know, been something there that you just need to let go of to God this morning. Come and tell Him about it. And and maybe you're hanging on to a prayer that even today you've been reminded for, that you would just long for God to speak, to move. You want to pray that prayer again and, and declare that you are trusting Him. You'll keep asking keep seeking Him, keep knocking. We want to be the people found praying now and when Jesus returns. Let's respond together, church. I'm going to pray as we do that. Jesus, we thank You. We just thank You that You're the God who who sees us and knows us and loves us and you made a way for us to experience this love in you. And so God, even this morning, as we sense your spirit here stirring in our hearts, reminding us that you have overcome every obstacle and blockage that could possibly stand in the way of us being in your presence, God. We ask that you'd soften our hearts We ask that you'd move and stir. We ask that you'd hear our prayers. We ask, God, that we would be a people found praying. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.